Welcome to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast, the podcast that guides those looking for a home that expresses their unique lifestyle to release creative DNA into their project and have it completed while keeping the artistic vision alive. Now, here's your architect creative, J.D. Carling. We're back. Today on the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast, we're back to our regularly scheduled program talking about the materials and specifications on architecture. So if you've been listening up till now, there have been a few guests recently, which I'm so excited to get. I really appreciate any time we can have a guest here for you to learn something about someone else's expertise or a client experience or something like that in the realm of architecture. But a few weeks prior to this, I discussed the foreseeable format for our regular episodes, which is going to be going through the different divisions or sections of the architectural, I would say catalog in a way. It's called specifications, but I like thinking of it as like the catalog of all the things that make up your custom home and the systems, materials, et cetera, you have to choose from. And I'm going to speak from a certain format. So there is like a National Home Builders Association format. There's also the master spec format. And I use the master spec format one because I like that it is broken up into more of like the elemental basis. It's not 100% that way, but the elemental material. So the National Home Builders Association talks or the one that's generally used in that realm is kind of more from like the thing. So it might be like kitchens or certain parts of the home or more like room. So it's not 100% either way in the Construction Specification Institute slash master spec. And I know I'm jumping into a bunch of jargon, but I just want to let you know the format that I'm going to speak from is more from the master spec format, which is a numbered series that goes through each material. So 01 is general conditions, 2 is the existing conditions, 3 is concrete, 4 is masonry, brick, Five is metal and six is wood plastic composite. Seven is thermal protection. Eight is openings, which is doors, windows, louvers, etc. And it goes all the way up. They keep adding divisions all the time. I generally work all the way up to gen- division 33, the utilities, when it comes to custom homes or some of the custom commercial buildings that I do. Not to say there hasn't been a couple where one of the later divisions, which gets more into specific building types in a way. I've used those. But today, I'm very excited. I should have just jumped into this right away. We're talking about concrete. And if you think about it, people say written in stone or it's not concrete yet. And, you know, when we think of concrete, one of the common things people think of is that it's something permanent. And I don't know if you've seen any of the photos from like after Hurricane Katrina. And there was one storm recently where I saw a similar photo. But All the houses that were made of wood and even masonry had been pretty much washed away in some areas. And then you would see sprinkled here and there a home that was still standing. And I believe it's been a while now since I've looked at it. But in those photos, those houses were concrete. And specifically, I believe they were insulated concrete form homes, which is the styrofoam molds. And then they it's almost like Legos. And they pour concrete in them, and that's what makes the house. And it's funny because all the homes that were there that you know were newer would have met code. 
and that supposedly was going to stand up to a storm. Now, I don't know what the specific codes were in that area, but you do have to get a permit and meet the accepted code, which I'm sure changed after the hurricane. But both those homes met code, but the one is still standing. And it's because it's possible if you do the concrete the right way to achieve much stronger home or building using that technique. It'll it'll last much, much longer. Again, this is all if things are done the proper way with the material. You can see a concrete home that you can still readily upgrade or salvage or make it sustainable in the future compared to a lot of times a wood home. I mean, I've got some in my neighborhood that are, I believe, over 80 years old and they're still there. But I mean, they're at a 10 degree angle, just sagging floors. They've got infestation termites all the time. They got to tent them, things like that. And with a concrete home, it's very possible to have a much different scenario when you're trying to upkeep it. The bigger changes may actually be in the usage of the home, which would also happen in a home made of wood or, or metal studs, which um, the, the house that I lived in in high school was made out of metal studs, um, which is very susceptible to rust as well. And concrete just simply can give you that strength just off the bat from a structural point of view. Now, on this podcast, I want to share with you, of course, the technical things as well. But one of our main focuses here is keeping the artistic vision alive. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the technicality of concrete, just like how I did right now. But we want to think about integrating it into the whole. Now, Concrete, of course, if you look at it and you analyze what it is, you'll most likely be able to tell it's concrete, anything is like that. But the goal is for it to create its own kind of like form. The whole building is its own organism, right? And so we want the concrete of your home to be integrated into the organism. And we're going to be thinking about that architecturally. So to start off, architecture today is generally an additive process. And this is something to think about because it, it can really determine the way your home is put together. Back in the Gothic time, it was almost like vertebrates versus invertebrates, right? Like an invertebrate skeletons on the outside. Uh, I hope I get it right. And one, <laughs> dang, I can't remember right now. And I should, I should uh, take this as a cue to look that up. One of them has the skeleton on the inside and we have the skeleton on the inside like that. And a bug or like a lobster, those creatures will have their skeleton more on the outside. And I'm not sure if they're 100%. I'm not versed in that realm, but I know that's the case. So Gothic architecture, when you see it, you're actually seeing the finished wall, the buttresses are the things that are holding the building up. So the skeleton is on the outside, if you will. In the U.S. and many other countries today, the way the building is done is an additive process, kind of like our body. So you'll build something, then you put systems in, and then you put a skin over it. It's very similar to the human. Um, or, or a creature. And concrete is one of the few materials, steel is sometimes like this, and wood can be as well, expressed in that gothic or exposed manner. And um, concrete uh, today, a lot of times is just used for, like in the ICF, that was great, that was a strong home, but all that concrete that provided that strength was hidden. And it was inside the styrofoam that had drywall on top of it that had a plaster on top of that, that had, or you know, a skim coat most likely on it. And then a finish, maybe some wallpaper, maybe tile. So there's so many layers that are covering up the thing that's the actual strength. And sometimes 
that's fun trying to hide things and add mystery. But most of the time, it's not done in an architectural sense. The most commonly exposed thing I would say right now, and this is talking about trends, which I'm not a huge fan of, but they're they're just a part of our life and things that, that we're attracted to in general right now, is an exposed concrete floor. Maybe it's an old exposed one or it's one that's, you know, just being poured a slab and it's being stained. And for a long time, concrete sidewalks, that's another exposed concrete thing that, you know, nine times out of 10, it has a brushed or broom finish on it and, you know, tooled edges. So the edges look finished and that's it. That's kind of like 99% of the concrete that we encounter. If it's a, a wall that takes extra load, maybe they'll pour some concrete between some concrete block or something like that. But concrete, when it was gaining popularity, was a part of, specifically, I'm going to get into beton brut and brutalism in France and emanated all over the, the world. If you look at like the, the city hall in Boston, even the downtown library in city of Orlando, which is one of my favorite buildings in the world. I love that building. And um, that was part of brutalism. And it was just raw concrete. And they were truly being sculptors with that. I mean, creating the forms, pouring the concrete. I mean, some of the um, roofs, like if you look at uh, Felix Candela, there's so much inspiration that you can get from just looking at the amazing things that you can do with concrete. It's unlike anything I've ever seen and think I ever will see. And that is an opportunity to transform something that's just a material like, hey, we need my concrete sidewalk. That's it. Oh, I'm going to you know, leave the tile off and leave the concrete and stain it. It's an opportunity to really get into the sculpturality of space. I don't even know if sculpturality is a word. Sculpture. <laughs> anyway, it's fun. So the, the space as sculpting volume, uh, sculpting light as a way it comes across the surface and the texture. And Corbusier really got into this in uh, in Marseille in Unité Habitation. I, I always get this confused because there's also a building by Moshi Safdi in Montreal that is, I think it's Unité Habitat or something, and I always get the names confused. But it's a, it's a good example. One is cast in place concrete, raw concrete, and the one in Montreal is precast units that they were stacked and created a sculpture that way. But in both cases, they're using concrete in a sculptural manner to create space and the way that you can think about space and respond to it through the light texture and volumetric nature of it. And they saw that as an opportunity to create an amazing place for people to live and to build, to last a long time and create new spans and different techniques that you simply couldn't do with wood. The, the type of overhangs and spans and and the depth of those spans in concrete was much different than what they had in wood. And there was big advances in steel at the same time, but it also worked a different way than in concrete. Now, granted, concrete, the way we use it today, does attribute and must give thanks to the reinforced steel that goes into it. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that we we can do. So I hope that this discussion is just an opportunity for you to see the the warmth that's in concrete. A lot of times, you know, the most common thing I've heard, and I've heard less of it recently, honestly, is that concrete is cold. And yes, I like to lay on a concrete floor. My dogs like to lay on my concrete floor after their walk because it is cool. But that's, uh, depending on where you're at, you may want something that's cool. It can also absorb heat and hold heat and give off heat at night if you're in a different climate. 
or it's used in a, a different way in the building, like a, a wall in a in an area where you want to absorb heat during the day and then it gets cold at night and you want to emanate that into the building. So it can be used different ways like that. But I'm also talking about the mood. So the atmosphere that you're trying to create with concrete. To me, concrete is cold when it is used in a manner that is not thought out or not intentional. So yes, concrete would be cold compared to some wood paneling or something or a wallpaper that you chose because it was something that brought you joy. And then the alternate was, let's just pour some concrete and make a wall. That's different than intentionally creating it and sculpting it and letting it show the nature of the way that it cured, the way that the color mixed in it, that maybe some of the aggregates exposed or there's small pockets of voids in it, or you did use wood or some, you know, even like there's liners now that you can put that have kind of, I don't want to say it's acid, but it textures the surface and you can do different patterns in it, or you can stain it that to add warmth to your building. So I definitely can tell this. I'm always paying attention. It's just like an instinct for me to like look at stuff. And I'm like, that's a painted surface or that's a stained surface. And to me, there is something about being able to like when you mix the color in concrete, there's something about it that you can tell that feels more authentic to me than just painting the color on it. Now, I do like that. And if it's painted right, it, it doesn't just look like a big glob of mess on it. But those things can provide a different connection like to the raw material versus painting on it. To me, it's similar to no matter how good it gets when I see wood printed on a tile, I just I can tell like you you can tell that it's wood. It may be very good. You may like it, but it's still something you can tell that's not actually that wood. And it's the same thing with painting concrete or coating it in like a gray plaster or whatever to look like that. It's like different than intentionally sculpting and molding with the concrete. Today, I would say the most common thing is concrete countertops or, or concrete panels. So that is something that has gotten more popular and gained commercial success. And, and so it's being integrated into architecture more. But there's so much we can do with that. There's so many people, at least in my area, and I do see it all around the country, that you know are part of the Concrete Countertop Institute. But there's some of those people are pushing it. How else can we use this? One of the guys that I work with created this amazing bathtub that looked like a Frank Gehry building. And that became like a centerpiece for the, that person's private space. And there's ways to push the general usage or generally accepted usage into other areas of our building and, and create really exciting opportunities for intimacy and touch. I remember my professor in school, he had, when you walked in the front door, there was a concrete counter and they had cast a bowl, used the bowl to cast into it. And that was like their key tray or like where he placed his wallet when he came home. And so that little touch added that personality to the home, to that space when you came in. It was just like a, like a touch point where you feel connected with using the space. And there's infinite opportunities for your lifestyle, how you want that to be, how that can be. I can think in pools a lot of times there's great opportunities that people often use in pools, especially nowadays doing different transition techniques of how they want to get into the pool or like semi-submerged chairs or cast in place chairs. That's a common thing that is is really interesting. So there's a lot of opportunities in your home to think about what spaces are important to you and how on concrete might be able to create that spatial experience for you. Could be anything from 
bathtubs to the way the bed is actually built into the home. The sunken living room is making a comeback. And so you can use cast in place concrete to be a part of that sunken living room thing. There's infinite opportunities to explore how your head is enclosed in your home and protected from the elements with the way you do the concrete. When you use that, you're not as limited to, hey, I need a straight wood beam or here's my flat roof that's two foot thick with the joists. Like you can really do a, things like hyperbolic paraboloid or folded planes that you wouldn't be able to do other ways with concrete. And that will transform the way you live your day-to-day life by implementing those things in a way that is personal to you. So I hope that uh, I'm trying to communicate with you the joy and exploration that you can have with those materials when you're considering them for your house. Because I would say 99% of homes in the United States and around the world implement concrete at some point. I did see a house in Japan recently that actually still had, it was a new home, but they put a dirt floor in it. And then all the wood, the walls are made out of wood. I'm going to assume the walls had a concrete foundation under them still, but it was a really interesting thing to see. Like the person wanted to feel connected to the earth. So they put a dirt floor in their home. So when you use concrete, you know, I'm talking about beton brute and that's usually cast in place, countertops and something like that are often precast. There's site cast concrete. Uh, There's even 3D printed concrete now, which gives us even more opportunities for the way that the concrete feels or you can perceive that um, it's forming the space that you're in. And some really interesting homes out in Texas and stuff like that done with 3D printed concrete that might give you some inspiration for your your own home. I'm going to say nascent, like young technology, but there's a lot of promise to it that could be really exciting for your project. So if you want to do that, I'd love to talk with you about it. Thank you for listening to my rant about concrete and your custom home today. I think there's an unlimited amount of opportunity for sculpting your space with concrete, along with the other materials we're going to get into in the coming weeks and how they'll eventually all come together to tell your life story, your family story, the narrative that you want to live and create and leave on this earth. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. I'd love to be a part of the process. My name is JD Carling, your architect. If you're ready to get started on this process, please go to ca-rd.com. I think it's slash B-O-O, but you can just click book a consultation on the main page and I will meet with you and we can discuss next steps on your project. If you're just getting your feet wet and this is the first episode that you've listened to and you want to understand architectural DNA, what it means to come up with a custom home, your architectural DNA is so important to that. Whether you want to work with me as your architect or not, I'd love to talk with you. I want you to succeed on your journey. I want you to also be able to successfully explore this journey if you're trying to find out if it's for you or not. And I just thank you for this opportunity to share with you today. And uh, just remember, you are loved, 100% lovable, no matter what. And I hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening this long. I'm JD Carling your architect. We'll talk with you soon. And next week should be masonry unless I I did have a guest that I requested to come. But the next episode will be masonry, which is somewhat related to concrete because a lot of masonry today is made of concrete. But there is the beauty of natural stone. And I can't wait to talk with you all about that and explore the joy of architectural masonry. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast. If you are ready to start your journey of a lifetime designing and building a custom home or project, sign up for a free consultation at ca-rd.com today. We look forward to the journey together and making something unique for you and your family. If you have any topics you want to discuss or questions about your custom home design for future episodes, send us a message via our website, ca-rd.com. And again, join us next time for another episode of the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast.